Escape the spotlight of the Latino Media Collective. The Latino Media Collective delivers consequential coverage from the biggest countries in South America to the smallest enclaves of Central America and the Caribbean and is available on SoundCloud, iTunes Podcast, and Google Play Music. The Latino Media Collective is recorded in WPFW Studios and airs Fridays at 1 p.m. on WPFW Washington. Freedom. My name is M1. I'm half of the legendary Tell It Like It Is, Everything Is Political Rap Duo Dead Press. And this is WPFW Washington, your station for jazz and justice. Before Magic's knees go permanently south for the winter. I don't want to be like Mike. Changing up the guard quicker than fear brings down doo-doo. Young bro. He never saw Elgin Baylor play during his, his day or Oscar Robinson. Flash the dice roll back. The big O was jackknifing through all them bodies. I didn't know nothing about it. Welcome, welcome to the collision. He's Chuck Modiano. I'm Dave Zirin here at your home for Jazz and Justice, 89.3 FM WPFW, changing the world one broadcast at a time. And this is pledge time. It's the last week we're doing pledges here on the collision. So please support us so we can go out with a bang. Chuck Modiano, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great, DZ. Always a pleasure. So much to discuss this week. Uh, so much to discuss at this intersection of sports and politics. So much for us to have muse about in terms of everything that's going on in this world, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, and we're going to have Katia Stitt on at 20 after the hour to speak about how you can support WPFW. First and foremost, like we always do, Chuck, we've got some demonstration stuff to talk about in sports, but is there anything local that you want to bring up for all of us? You know, there have been continuing protests every week, including this past Saturday um, for Free Palestine. We saw that in D.C. streets. I'm not going to say nothing, but there's going to be uh, something uh, happening this evening. Um, I'm going to keep that one quiet. But what you also want to know, what I think is good about Saturday in D.C., this coming Saturday in D.C. is a, a protest on Congo, raising awareness of what's going on in Congo. And so what's interesting is that the attention to Gaza, rightfully so, because of the genocide and prog progress that the United States is funding, is uh, awakening the world to all the atrocities, all the genocides that are going on. So it's a really good opportunity to connect these movements. And um, one thing I know is Katia always tells me, uh, Katia, you there? What, what do you tell me? You tell me. Well, you know, you don't give the information. She doesn't really say it like that. She says it a little nicer, but you don't give the information. And I want to make sure that everybody gets that information because it is on Saturday. And, and I'm talking slow because I'm trying to definitely give you that information. It is on Saturday and we're going to pause. I'm going to make sure everybody gets that information later. So sorry about that rambling. I was looking for the info. I'll get it to you. Great. 
And uh, March 2nd, I mean, people need to know and start preparing now that there are going to be national slash international demonstrations uh, in the D.C. It should be massive around eyes on Rafa. Yes. Rafa, of course, being the area where over a million people have been violently and militarily herded in Gaza. And the, the ongoing fear is the continuing of bombardment of an area in such desperate poverty and uh, in such desperate and dire straits. And so we are going to let the world know that this is not going to happen under, you know, the, the dead of night. We're going to let the world know that even though they did a bombing that killed um, over 100 civilians during the Super Bowl, to keep, so while people were distracted and their eyes were away, that our eyes are squarely on Rafa. Yeah, and that was the theme of Saturday's protest, uh, Dave. I mean, I mean, that's what everyone's called, hands off Rafa. Um, so you're absolutely right. I do have that date, by the way, this Saturday. So this Saturday, it is say no to your taxes fueling war in, in Congo. That is 1 p.m., 1714 New Hampshire Avenue. Um, and that's where it starts. And like I said, call, the, the organizers are calling on all U.S. citizens demand that the U.S. government cease its military and financial backing um, of that war and that, that uh, genocide. So it is going to start from the Rwandan embassy and move to the White House. And that's the path. So we're connecting some dots here. And then we're going to be back out for the following Saturday. So let's go. Let's go, DZ. Let's go. And now let's bring together this idea of protest and this idea of sometimes protesting in a way that is surreptitious with the world of sports. The NBA last weekend had All-Star Weekend, um, All-Star Saturday night where they do the slam dunk contest, the three-point shootout, uh, the skills challenge, and then Sunday is the All-Star game itself. Now, I don't know if you were following this, Chuck, but the reviews for the weekend <laughs> were not good. Right. We're not right. Good. Thoughts right. boring. Looked like nobody wanted to be there. The crowd was absolutely dead, partly because they held it in a football stadium. So because they were trying to max out that money. Right. But one exciting thing did happen over the course of that weekend, and it certainly was not the slam dunk contest. No. No. And it certainly was not the all-star game itself, which prompted more jeers than cheers. And before I say it was exciting, I thought one of the things that was amazing, and I'm going to be, let's talk to Atan about this next week, is that afterwards the players were like, yeah, it did stink. Yeah. (laughs) Right. They were very honest about it. We showed no effort, really. Yeah. But their reasons for not showing effort were really interesting. And I want to get to that in a moment. But let's put a pin in that and talk about what was exciting from the weekend. And that was when activists, the Palestinian Youth Movement and Jewish Voice for Peace unfurled a banner that was like three Victor Wembenyamas big, it looked like. Nice. Thank you. It's a unit of measurement now. Yeah, no, I like it. The Wemby, we call it a Wemby? Yeah, let's call it a Wemby. It was like like three Wembys long. Right, right. Wemby's from France. He's the center of the San Antonio Spurs, for those who don't know. And, of course, it's the metric system. Yeah, 15 feet is is two Wembys. Yes, except we don't say feet because he's French. You're right. Got to be like meters. But I'm right. I I, I apologize. You're right. I'm so American centric. It's ridiculous. Shame on you. (laughs) Yeah. Shame on me. Shame on all of us, Chuck. That's right. That's right. I mean, the metric system makes sense. Why do we use some stupid thing like feet? But that's for another day. Because America, Chuck. Yeah. Um, So two Wemby's big, I think this thing was. And it says, let Gaza live. Yes. It had an incredible side silhouette. Of Tommy Smith and John Carlos raising their fists. That's right. Just uh, the most beautiful banner. Props to the Palestinian youth movement. Props to Jewish Voice for Peace. And it got decent news coverage. That's right. Now, one of the things that I know for a fact that they tried to do, 
And I refuse to name names because I don't believe in calling athletes out in difficult moments like this. Because then we're in that trap, Chuck, of looking to athletes to lead us instead of us doing our own work. And if athletes come along for the ride, great. Then they get to amplify what we're doing. That's right. But there were some athletes who, I mean, I think, frankly, it's kind of exciting that it got this far. Yeah. That there were some athletes who were curious, this is probably the best way to put it, about doing something on the court simultaneous with the banner. Now that didn't quite happen. Right. But if, but my, but I was watching it with some buddies and I was like, something might happen here. Something might happen. And then when it didn't happen, they said to me, Dave, what were the chances that something was really going to happen? Cause it seems so unrealistic to them that someone would like stop their slam dunk thing to say ceasefire now or something like that. And I said, 18%. Now, I don't know why I came up with that number, but let me just say that's not terrible. There was an 18% chance of something remarkable happening. Yeah. Something remarkable still did happen. And that's that the people who unfurled the banner, you know, no one poured beer on their heads. No one uh, attempted grievous bodily harm against them. Yeah. There was a demonstration waiting for them outside. Beautiful. And they were eventually asked to depart. And it became a big local news story. Right. And before you know it, people under the title, and this is why this group is so important, Jewish Voice for Peace. Yeah. Comes forward and says, you know, there's nothing anti-Semitic. What we're doing is pro-human. That's right. We're doing it as Jews because we believe that our history, our culture, and our religion demand of us that we stand up to this looming genocide in Gaza and particularly in Rafa. So it was something very special, but as you very well know, Chuck, it's not the first time that people have dropped banners at sporting events. Yeah. And you were intimately involved in one. And I would love it if you could tell that story for our listeners. Well, sure. It was probably the last time I did any organizing, which was over 10 years ago. And I oh, said, I'm just, I'm just going to do media. I'm just going to do media, you know, since then. Because I have such incredible respect for organizers. Um, it's, it's, it's thankless. You're doing it for a goal. Many times, you, most of the time, you'll never see the end of that goal. And people complain. Everybody complains. That's just organizing. Why you didn't do something perfectly. But in, in, it was in Ferguson. It was at the uh, St. Louis uh, Rams game. And um, my wife and I had this great idea. Let's, let's, let's buy, you know, 50 tickets. And let's get in there. And we got in there. And uh, there were about 50 of us. We dropped the banner, Black Lives Matter, on and off the field. That, that was the message of sports to all these sports fans. And thank you for covering it in the nation, by the way. And you've been doing great work in the nation um, this the last couple of weeks as well. So everybody check DZ's uh, uh, stuff out there. But we dropped it. And that, that's what we were trying to tell the crowd. Black Lives Matter on and off the field. You, you cheer these athletes. Because they jump high and they run fast and you don't care about Mike Brown and you don't care about black men get, getting shot or black women getting shot. And so we wanted to highlight that contradiction at that time. And what I could say, and I've always wondered, and I've always wondered this, because the St. Louis Rams, I said St. Louis Rams for people who, who don't have a memory that goes back very far, um, the St. Louis Rams were playing the 49ers that time. And it was one of about five protests all year at the St. Louis Rams stadium. The 49ers starting quarterback was Colin Kaepernick. And I've always wondered, was he noting the banners? And was he noting the protests? Did it was a grain and sand where two years later, he spoke out after Alton Sterling and Philando Castile. And then a month later took that. And I've always wondered, um, the answer to that question that I have not received, but let me wrap it up. What happened is we got thrown out and it was very hard to get these big banners in there for people don't know. It's very hard to get a big banner inside a stadium. So we get thrown out and we go down, uh, uh, we're escorted out. We're, we're yelling chants. Mike Brown means we got to fight back, things like that. And then there's a hundred people outside waiting for us, um, cheering, and we joined that protest, uh, so about 100 to 150 people outside. And it was, it was beautiful. Um, 
But it was also, like I said, the last time I did any type of organizing. Now I just ask people, tell me when to show up. I appreciate what you're doing. I'm going to show up and film. Mm. Well, Chuck, I can tell you for a stone cold fact that after it took place, Colin Kaepernick did know that it happened. Mm. How do you, you know that for a stone cold fact? Stone cold fact that after the fact, he wow. knew that there had been banner drops and that right. people had spread the word. I don't think he saw it when it was happening. Right. Because that's a tough thing. You know, you're on that field, yeah. you're doing the tunnel vision thing. But but people like yourself, people like, you know, the Miami Heat wearing hoodies after the killing of Trayvon Martin. I mean, the right. photo that went viral. Uh, people like the protesters who held Ferguson for as long as they did under the most military police state conditions. And you could speak to that as well as anybody. Yeah. All of those things had a strong, strong effect in the world of sports. And real quick, Chuck, just because, you know, it's like we forget Ferguson was how many years ago? And it's coming 10th anniversary coming this August. You know what? Uh, for people who were there uh, oh, um, 10 years ago and in between, It'd be great if uh, people could make that migration back to St. Louis now. Just because, you know, a lot has happened since then. And one of the things that has happened is we have more police murders than we've had back 10 years ago. So that's a, that's a whole uh, other story. Are there plans for people to go to St. Louis? Is that a th I mean, you just surprised me with that. Is that a thing? I, I did surprise. I mean, I, I, the rumblings. OK, so I've talked to people. Yeah, we're going to do things. Is there anything definitive? No. But at this point in time. I would um, bet that there will be some things going on, um, both by both through by by Big Mike himself, Big Mike Brown Sr., um, the family, um, I'm sure the mother as well, and then then a lot of the activists and protesters. So that this is my guess, but I think as we learn more, um, we'll share more. Uh, even for those who are educated about the Black Lives Matter movement, about the killing of Mike Brown, about Ferguson, what's one thing? that people do not know about what took place there? What is one of the things that for you is the most important gap between the story as we know it and what you, Chuck Modiano, actually saw on the ground? I mean, I could speak to one, to Mike Brown himself, and then the, the then I could speak to the protesters. So, sure. it's yours. so let me speak to Mike Brown himself. Um, and that, and, and interviewing a lot of people, there were two reports issued in March um, of 2015, and one of them outlined the incredible systemic racism of Ferguson police. Okay, they 90% of every category was black for every single um, category from jaywalking, they call it manner of walking, that was the, the, the thing, to every charge, to every time a dog bit someone, they were all black, right? Like, 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 they, they were, like and yeah, there were sick dogs. So the black community, it was so racialized, right? And if a couple of white people got caught up in that, that was uh, because they probably lived in a black community. Now, what people have to know about that is that the second report, which says, you know what, Darren Wilson, um, looks like our evidence shows he didn't do it. That is a copy and paste job, a copy and paste job of local authorities um nonsense in, in my opinion because a lot of people point to that and say see nothing happened and, and i could go down like 10 20 facts and there have been documentaries made about it um, i'm wishing i'm remembering the name uh, um of the documentary that really addresses this but one thing is you you had these two white construction workers and what's interesting and they they're the only people that in real time we have video of and these white construction workers have their hands up and they say he had his hands up. He had his hands up. We never see those guys again. We never, ever see those guys again. And they just disappear. And in the Ferguson report, we're told they're unreliable. While a whole bunch of new witnesses nobody ever saw, nobody ever heard pop up out of nowhere. And this is how, you know, DAs do, uh, do things. And now they, they have contradictory information. So the only real-time information, the only real-time witnesses caught on video, they disappear. And then new people pop up. And then here's my one point where I was involved. I actually spoke with the man who filmed those construction workers. And I say, hey, I wanted to get some you know, things on uh, camera and this and that. He didn't, he didn't really want to do it. 
And the reason he didn't want to do it, a number of people didn't want to do interviews, is that if he did something or if he said something, you're a target, as we've seen so often. That a lot of people who, 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 who might have said specifically, specifically because he had the tape, you're a target. So sometimes you can't get that information. That's the Mike Brown. And there's one about the protesters. And, you know, Howard Bryant actually nailed it in one of his books, is that really Mike Brown happened on top of this, this um, system of warrants that everyone would get a traffic ticket. I don't mean just every young black uh, uh, male. I mean, like, grandmothers. And, and, and you could be 60, 70, 80. And that's how they were making it. I think Eric Holder called it a collection agency. 25% of their department was funded through this. So the whole entire community, not just young people, the entire black community, knew what it's like to have police oppression because they were funding their entire department off of these traffic tickets that turned into warrant. I never had a warrant in my life. I got my first warrant that way, driving around with activists, Lost Voices in particular. And then when I had to come back to D.C., they wouldn't let me pay it from afar. It turned into a warrant. It, it had me in jail in D.C. So this warrant system was the, the undergirding to Mike Brown happening and that uprising happened. I'm convinced of that. And the first thing that someone told me when I was down there was everybody's got a warrant. And they all start from traffic tickets. And it's, it's, it's pure terror. And that is part of the reason you saw that dynamic explode. So I was long-winded, but those were two things that stand out to me. Well, thank you for that, Chuck. That that was really important and so intimately connected to the 10 years that followed, for sure. Well, I'm so very honored that we have Katia Stitt on with us because these are the kind of conversations we need to be having right now. And only WPFW is the place where we can have them. Katia Stitt, can you please speak about how folks can support WPFW? Absolutely, Dave. Good morning, you all. I'm sorry, I'm a little under the weather today. Um, so I, I'm not my usual energetic self, but um, we are here and we're delighted and honored to be with you both. We already, it looks like we, someone's gotten us started. Unfortunately, I can't see the name. There's something going on with our system. So I'm going to thank anonymous because it's anonymous to me right now. Thank you so much for getting us started. And we still um, are in need of $410.70 this morning to go. Uh, the number to call is 800-222-9739, or you can go online to wpfwfm.org. And again, uh, Dave, to your point, it's really important to support that which supports you. You know, whether you... It tune in to the collision to get your, your sports information or that intersection, a beautiful intersection of sports and um, politics, really sports and resistance is what it is. We say politics, but what we talk about here is sports and the resistance, if you don't mind yes, me saying that. No, I, we like that, Katia. That's even better. <laughs> Excellent. So, you know, um, and you, you listen to Democracy Now! in the morning. You, you know, it's just like a flow. You just, you're with us, and we know you're with us because you give us feedback on what you like, what you don't like, what you heard. You thank us. Um, sometimes you bless us out. You know, that's okay, too, whatever you want to bring to us. But you listen, and you've been listening. Many of you have been here since WPFW's inception. Others have joined 20, you know, 30 years in. 40 years in, I love when we have new listeners and they're so excited about what is happening here at WPFW and that there is a space for justice and resistance on the radio dial. You don't have to go to internet radio. You don't have to you know, seek it out. There's so many wonderful publications now that are talking about what is happening you know, uh, on the left. I don't want to say progressively because we have some very regressive progressives, frankly. You know, so we won't say progressively, <laughs> but what's happening on the yeah. left, you know, it's one of the few radio spaces where you can freely and openly not only talk about Palestine, but you can say free Palestine, that we want a free Palestine. We want the occupation to end. We want Jews and Christians and Muslims to be able to live in that space that is Palestine, occupied Palestine, all together in peace and harmony. Everyone wants that. Let's be clear. At, on WPFW, we never talk about the annihilation of any people. We don't do that. And anyone that thinks we do that is not hearing the right thing. They are putting their own spin on that. So 
to have a space where this can be upheld, to have uh, two gentlemen who are not only doing what they do professionally around sports and politics, but that they bring that to the air and they bring their commitment and their resistance to the air and they stand up proudly and say, this is right, this is wrong, this is what humanity looks like, this is what we're going to uphold, is a really significant and beautiful space. And so that is why it should be supported. That is why the collision should be supported. If I may, just one more second, I have to tell you, I listen to the opening every week that I'm on with you all during the pledge drive. And I remember Bobby Hill crafting that opening for the collision. And it might sound seamless to you, but that opening for the collision is several pieces of music and speeches that or interviews that he put together, that he curated to make sure that what the collision was um, or is was conveyed to our audience. And, and that is also the kind of art that we engage in, you know, the art of resistance. That is what we're talking about here, folks. So if you understand what the collision is, if you are... Um, are humbled and honored to have Dave Zirin and Chuck Modiano and Eton Thomas give of their time and energy to come to WPFW as volunteers to do this work, and you understand the significance of having them, then it is your turn to stand up to be an activist. You may not be in the streets with us tonight or on the weekend. You might not be on Capitol Hill asking for a ceasefire. You may not be at your local city council meeting trying to get your council to push for a ceasefire resolution, to enact a ceasefire resolution. But what you can do, you can support WPFW, Resistance Radio, Radio for the Revolution. You can support a medium that supports you and that supports all of humanity at our best. 800-222-9739. Or you can go online to WPFWFM.org to um, pledge your support. Of course, I'm trying to get back to the page here very quickly. You can go online to WPFWFM.org. You can also pledge your support via Cash App. I know a number of people did that yesterday. We love it. It's dollar sign WPFW. It's quick and easy and it's right from your phone. However you connect with us, please do it now. We have only $410 to go. We can do that together, folks. There's someone within the sound of our voices right now that can give $1,000 and be done. And you know, you'll be doing something not only for yourself, right? It's not about the self or the me, it's about the we, right? You'll be doing it for the community. And that is the best space. That is the most beautiful space we can be in when we do things for each other, when we uplift each other. So please do that right now. 800-222-9739, WPFWFM.org. $410 to go. Let's knock it out the park. We did so beautifully last week. Let's replicate that today. Dave and Chuck, I give it back to you. I guess it never left you, you really. Katia, <laughs> you got me inspired over here. <laughs> Good. Me, I'm a little under the weather too, Katia, and but it's totally worth it to me to be here. Uh, if for no other reason to honor the opening theme song of the show by Bobby Hill. And I got to tell you, every time I see Bobby, I thank him for the theme song of the collision. Because it means so much to me that he put in that level of care and work. And it reflects the care and work that everybody at WPFW put into their shows, put into keeping the shows running, put into our programming, put into our live coverage. And we're able to do such dynamic work precisely because we're supported by you. And therefore we're accountable to you. And that's a different dynamic than any and all other news organizations, which is why you should support us today and support us every day by listening. But today's the day where we're actually going to try to make some money for the collision uh, to be able to broadcast itself in perpetuity because we never want to leave you because these issues at the intersection of sports and resistance just are not going anywhere. Chuck, you want to add anything before I give a case in point on that? <laughs> um, we're not going anywhere. But I want to add one thing to the question, even though I had a long answer. But this is relevant. Your question earlier about takeaway from Ferguson, I'm pondering. And what's most relevant to this point in time and day? Everything that was said. But I believe the, a, a big piece of what's happening now started, not started in 2014, it's been going on for decades, but of Palestine 
and Ferguson coming together. If for those who don't uh, remember, it was July um, 2014 where there was the massacre in Gaza, about 1,500 civilians killed. There's only six Israeli killed. That was personally for me a wake-up party. You sort of realize how many lies I've been told sort of evolving for a few years and I covered my first free Palestine protest. Well, what happens in July, the first week of July, that's when Mike Brown is killed. A lot of us in D.C., we went over there, a lot of people from all around the country, we went over there, and there was a very clear um, unity around Palestine. I want to shout out Bassam, um, R.I.P., everybody there knows Bassam and did some great journalism. Um, there passed a, a, a few years back. And he made a lot of those connections. And a lot of the Ferguson protesters were, were saying free Palestine. And those were the ones who weren't getting on camera. Those were the ones who wouldn't be asked to come back and speak to a reporter. Um, but it was very clear that those movements were joined um, in Ferguson. And for me, it was for me personally, it was the first time seeing that uh, unity that was in Ferguson coming off July that we have seen, at least in the D.C. streets and all over. Um, the country now. Wow. Very well put, Chuck. Very well indeed. And it's as Angela Davis said, I mean, wasn't the name of the book, Freedom is a Constant Struggle? Yeah. Linking these issues. Yeah. It, 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 I think that, that the roots of that run very deep of black liberation struggle and solidarity with the Palestinian people and vice versa. Those yeah. are very deep roots. Very deep roots. And, and, and my introduction and the introduction of people of Ferguson was people from Gaza were saying, this is how you deal with tear gas. You take milk of magnesia, put it in a bottle, put half of it water, half milk of magnesia, shake it up. So we had these bottles and we're spraying people and people are spraying ourselves as the tear gas came. And those tips like that were coming from Gaza. How do we deal with Gaza-like conditions in St. Louis? That's a, a, a very direct connection that people could understand. Yes, it certainly does. Um, absolutely. Uh, you know, Chuck, to revert back to something we were talking about before, though. Yeah. And this is a, a big subject change, but I, I do want to put a finish on it. We also want, need to talk about the fact that the collision is one of the few places where you're going to speak about the ways that sports can turn the economics of a region upside down. And with little discussion, and I haven't written a full article about it yet, you know, there's this handshake deal now to move the Wizards and the Capitals out of Capital One Arena, out of Gallery Place, Chinatown, into the Potomac Yards yeah. of Northern Virginia. And I think we need to talk about that, too. Yes. Because... It's so frustrating that these buccaneers, these pirates in sports ownership get hundreds of millions of dollars in tax money right. to move their teams with nothing, nothing with regards of, to reparations of the neighborhoods they're leaving behind. That's right. Gallery Place Chinatown was, when I moved to D.C., was a thriving working class neighborhood with a lot of first, second generation uh, Chinese families living there, running businesses, restaurants, corner stores, and the like. The stadium came in like a wrecking ball, turned it into a place where you could go to a CVS or a Starbucks with you know Mandarin lettering. And that somehow classifies as the new Chinatown. Fuddruckers in Chinese is what we're supposed to think somehow passes for diversity. Now, it looks like they'll leave. And then what happens to the businesses that replaced the indigenous businesses that existed there? What's mm. going to happen to the sports bars where people work? What's going to happen to the fast food joints where people support their families in the city? So basically, you take a wrecking ball to a neighborhood, you build something very rickety to replace the businesses that had been stable and there for decades, but they look good. 
with big, bright signage, you know, and nationally recognized brands, Chipotle, you know, and all the rest of it. And then you take away the source of customers for those businesses and say, well, got a sweeter deal in Northern Virginia. It's outrageous. And I'm still getting some news about like whether the mystics would be joining them, but let, and I think they would be, but let's remember the mystics have a place that's just been open a few years in Southeast Mm -hmm. where they play. And I went to the debut opening of the facility in Southeast. It's nice, nice facility. I mean, it's small, it's intimate, but, but it's not nice in the way um, the regular facilities, but it's intimate. It's got a different vibe. I was there for the media opening of it, and Ted Leonsis was there, and he spoke about how important it was to create something that was not – I was surprised. I've never heard a pro sports owner speak like this before. He said it meant so much to create something that was not – a blunt tool of gentrification, but would actually aid the neighborhood that it was in and be part of the landscape of South. Did he say the word gentrification? I've been, I'm combing my brain. Okay. I think he did. I think he did, or he spoke about it Mm -hmm. and what it means sometimes when stadiums move to places. Right. To see them uproot after just a few years there, if that does in fact take place, is also just shows how cruel some of these guys are and and why I use the term buccaneers. And if you look at the reasoning why Ted Leonsis is saying we need to move to Northern Virginia, what do you think he's saying? Crime, more police, more of a carceral state. You know, they're they're hiring off-duty police officers he talks about that he's lying he's lying oh no it's it's about money it's not about crime or if there was a better basketball team the stadium would be more filled up yep it's 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 always about money It's, it's so frustrating to me because to see this happen in our city is just enraging now one thing i will say is that you know glenn youngkin has a Democratic, you know, legislature in Virginia now. You know, hair thin, but it's there. And there is a lot of gumming up of the works right now. Like Glenn Youngkin doesn't want union labor, so the unions are coming out against the building right. in the Potomac Yard. They're protesting. They're protesting the labor union. Yep. And the Democratic legislature wants a lot of givebacks in terms of public services if they're going to be spending tax dollars on this stadium. So the conflicts are real. I hate to be cynical, but more often than not, and there are examples of not, but more often than not, these conflicts tend to magically resolve themselves. Right. And enough palms get greased and the building moves forward, but that doesn't happen in every case. And Youngkin, because of losing all these, you know, intermediary elections is coming at this from a position of weakness, not strength. So, and Ted Leonsis, I mean, is not exactly Mr. Popularity right now. <laughs> no, he isn't. So, th- 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 this is not a done story by any stretch, but it is a story that we on the collision are going to be following closely and critically because we know what happens when sports teams are used as these kind of neoliberal Trojan horses. Right. To bring in mass privatization. And in this case, look, more police. Oh, I mean, so police. even if the deal falls through, I think we can imagine what the area around Capital One is going to look like in the future. It is so, it's like you just can't walk anywhere without seeing police. You know, they, they just, they, they just, they simply exist for themselves. Can I say uh, there are also still a couple of restaurants left for those who don't know? from the old days at Chinatown and Leonsis is complaining about some of them too, saying the outdoor seating that they got during COVID makes it difficult to park and pull in, you know, trucks for services and all the rest of it. None of that is true. Uh, This is ridiculous. 
This is ridiculous. Is that what he said? Is that what he said? Because I have this theory. DZ, hear me out. I have this theory. Uh-oh. When you field a 9-45 and 45 team, hmm. fans will not show up. That's my theory. I didn't say call it crazy. It's, that's my theory. 9-45. and 45. That's the Wizards record. Maybe put a better product on the court. Yeah, and one of the places he's apparently taken on is this place that's an amazing Japanese joint called Daikaya. Look, more people care about Daikaya than they do about the Wizards right now. He better be careful uh, what he's taken on and what enemies he might be making. It, it's all very frustrating to me. But you know what? We're going to follow it every step of the way. And our interests are not about you know keeping the team, not keeping the team, this, that, and the other. It's what's going to bring the most economic and social justice to the people of this region. That's what we care about on the collision. And that's how we're going to decide and decide what we're doing. So if it gets moved to Northern Virginia, we're going to fight for union labor and we're going to fight for givebacks on social services so people aren't starved to create this arena. And if there is a question about it moving, we're going to fight for our team to stay here and make Ted Leonsis live up to the promises that he has made over the years with regards to community responsibility, which I refuse to ugh, let him get away with having he said that for all these years as lip service about how important he wants this team be to the city. But I digress. This is what we're going to talk about on the collision. We also want, do want to talk to you, Chuck, about why I think the All-Star game was so terrible. But first, I want to my, – my, 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 I hate to put it this way, but my sister in transitory illness – Katia Stick. <laughs> Both of us, these colds we cannot shake. Exactly. Well, I took a fall on the pavement. That's no. why I can't shake right now. And I have oh, some no. ribs that are really sore. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's like that old jazz song. You know, it's a, it's a, there's a jazz standard called Everything Happens to Me. Look up the lyric. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I'm feeling right about now. But yes, Dave, we are sister and brother no matter what. In, in illness, in health, whatever. <laughs> I'm so sorry. If there's anything I can do, you need a trip to the market or anything, just hit Aww, me. Okay? I will. I will. Thank you. And full disclosure, Dave and I are neighbors. That's why he's saying yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> the I'm great Richmond with some Safeway. Right, no. exactly. <laughs> the great republic of Tacoma yeah. Park here is what yeah. we're talking about. And speaking of Tacoma Park, we want to say thank you to Frank out of Tacoma Park. Frank, I don't know if I know you, but he's making the comment, think, think, it ain't illegal yet. I'm not sure what he's talking about. I hope he's not talking about free Palestine because it's never going to be illegal here on WPFW's airwaves. We will we will go to prison first, just just we'll so you know. First. Yep. So we will say it and we'll go to prison if that's what happens. Right. We also want to say thank you. Thank you, Frank, of Tacoma Park. Thank you to Anonymous out of Silver Spring. They say one of the best shows on radio. I could not concur more, Anonymous. Much appreciated appreciation to DZ, CM, and ET. Thank you so much. And Alex Mitchell out of Laurel, Maryland. And Alex actually is picking up that um, Malcolm X DVD by any means necessary. And, of course, yesterday we had the anniversary of his assassination and we still have a number of beautiful uh, Malcolm X gifts, including that Malcolm X six CD box set, which is like the primer you need for Malcolm X. And even if you know Malcolm X, to hear his words, I go back again and again and listen to him. I can never get enough of what Malcolm X says. Um, Talk about because, that. Talk about the six CD box set. Well, I thank you, Chuck. I will do that. It's um, six CDs. It's wonderful. It's a pledge amount of one hundred and eighty dollars. And it is credit card only, although um, you can certainly become a sustainer uh, and do it that way. But it's um, CD1 includes Malcolm X delivering one of his best known speeches, the ballot or the bullet in Detroit on April 12, 1964. CD2 contains black Muslims versus the sit-ins with Malcolm X, James Baldwin and Laverne McCummins discussing the position of the black Muslims on that issue. And that was recorded in 1961. CD number three and four, CDs number three and four, from January 7th, 1965, Malcolm speaking at the Militant Labor Forum, which is one of his best speeches, um, giving a talk that becomes known as Prospects for Freedom in 1965. He discusses the need for Black action for civil rights. And it was recorded, we have to remember, five weeks before his assassination. 
five weeks before his assassination, which is brilliant. Um, CD5 can, is uh, from uh, Harlem Rally. Malcolm X supports Fannie Lou Hamer, head of the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, and discusses the treatment the party was afforded at the 1964 DNC in Atlantic City, December 20th, 1964. And of course, we know it was deplorable treatment by the Democratic Party towards right. Ms. Hamer. And the um, and her and her party, it was just absolutely deplorable. CD number six, John Henry Clark on Malcolm X. John Henry Clark, as many of you know, is a his was a history professor and friend of Malcolm X, and he speaks on Malcolm's contributions to the black struggle in America. And actually, I would um, expand that to say to the uh, struggle of black people throughout the diaspora. And if you uh, look up Malcolm X on Palestine, he has a riveting blistering comment on the Palestinian struggle that is still so true today. So when we talk about black Palestinian solidarity, we have a long storied history of that. It is not new. And um, while it, 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 it was beautiful in Ferguson, the coming together, it is steeped in a historic alliance that has been there for decades and will continue to be there. And so you know, you can do as Alex did and pick up this uh, package, $180 pledge level. If you want to get that six CD set, we have $265 to go, y'all. We can do this. 15 minutes to do it. 800-222-9739. WPFWFM.org are the ways to connect with us. Please do that which feels good to you. I mean, I know that you feel good listening, right? You're getting information. You are maybe in, you know, doing air high fives as they're talking about things as Chuck and, and Dave and Eton are, are speaking, but you're also getting real information that helps you to calibrate, calibrate how you're gonna move through this world, what you're gonna do to make it better. And one of the things that you can do instantaneously to make it better is to support that which supports you, support the collision. $265 to go. You will feel so good once you've made that pledge. I guarantee I've made pledges and I know it's a great feeling to know that you are helping to sustain a media outlet and a program that speaks truth to power, even when it's unpopular. 800-222-9739, WPFWFM.org are the ways to connect. $265 to go. And we want to be able to come back at the very end to thank some more folks who have put us over the top. So please, Make the call that makes the difference now, 800-222-9739, or you can go online to WPFWFM.org, $265 to go. Dave and, oh, wait, 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 Renee. Oh, we love you so much. This is a stalwart, you know, leader in the community, trade unionist. Thank you so much, Renee. She says, um, love how you show that politics and sports are political and must be used for social justice. Amen to that, Renee. Thank you so much. Now we only need $215, folks. $215. Let's go. Dave and Chuck, back to you. Thank yeah. you so much, Katia. You're uh, welcome. Your, your ability to do this uh, while playing hurt, as they say, would, it, I mean, seriously. What like, hurt? What hurt? Exactly. I don't, I don't hear any hurt. It's no, it's like it's like hearing like a great athlete take the court, uh, even with uh, a bum ankle or something like that, and still scoring fifty points. Right, but she wasn't even limping. It's not like Willis Reed; he was limping. Katia's not even limping. No, Katia reminds me of Bernard King in nineteen eighty four. Oh, don't get me started. Like forty five points in the playoffs with two yep. busted fingers taped together. Ooh, don't get me started. That could be a whole show. Wow, thank you. I'm honored. Yeah. <laughs> Well, right. if, if you're compared to Bernard King by Chuck and me, yeah, I yeah. mean, there is no higher praise. No, Let me no. say. Took the champion Celtics to seven. Took them on that showdown to Motown. But I'm going to stop because I could keep going. We but keep, I want Chuck, I can keep going. I got to talk about go why ahead, the All-Star game was so terrible. And yeah. even though the players dogged it, it's not the players' fault. And I want to explain why. When we were growing up, and I know sentences that start like that can be dicey. <laughs> growing up, yeah. players really, really, really did care yes. about the All-Star Game. Now, why did they care? Because it was a point of honor to win All-Star Game MVP. I remember when Isaiah won it in like 85 and was like crying holding up the trophy. It was yeah. part of your legacy. You were an All-Star Game MVP. It mattered. It mattered come contract time. 
You'd be yep. like, I want a better contract. I am the all-star game MVP. It had a certain cultural weight. And fast forward to today, what has a cultural weight in the NBA? Rings. Rings, 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 rings. It's all you hear about. Ring yep. culture. If you don't win a championship, somehow your career is not what it should have been. Yeah. That's a rel- people don't realize that that's a relatively new idea. It is new. That the ring is all. It is new. I, I, can, I can pinpoint it too when you're there. Yeah. I mean, ha- this is Mike. Haven't we always said that about uh, Chuck, though, Charles Barkley? That relatively new on Chuck. That's, and I, I actually, that's one of the things that bothers me so much is I think the shtick of the television show Inside the NBA, where Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal, has his big, you know, almost nightly diss to Chuck that he doesn't have any rings and Shaq has four. I think that did a lot to sort of inculcate ring culture into the yeah. game. Can I can I point to a actually specific date where that was a shift and it was a little before Chuck? And that was in, I believe, 1980 when they shifted the NBA MVP vote from the players to the media. The mm-hmm. players were previously giving awarding MVPs. And at that time, even Kareem one year with a losing record, I believe it was 40 and 42, won the MVP because people understood that he had no good players around him in that particular year. He had back-to-back years. They didn't have the best team. And once the media came in, there was almost like an unwritten rule you had to win 50 games with very few exceptions, one or two over a 40-year span. And what this media did from then to today is start talking about rings. Why do you do that? Because you could you could have these arguments um, 24-7 and be loud rather than give you an analysis and say, you know what, maybe those other players aren't that good. Mm, powerful. Powerful, absolutely. You know, th- this, is, this is what it's all about right now. Um, it's about understanding the history and context of our lives. Uh, for the purposes of understanding sports and for the purposes of understanding politics. But I would love it if we lived in a basketball universe where everything was valued. All-star yeah. appearance, all-star MVP. Slam all-star dunk contest. Slam dunk. Now, let's talk about that slam dunk contest. I think that's gone downhill. I mean, it's pretty obvious why, because LeBron James decided that he would never compete in it. That was the beginning of the downfall, my brother. You're correct about that, because there was a very real legacy. Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, Vince Carter, Kobe Bryant, the best players wanted to prove themselves in that context. And once LeBron decided that as the best player and as somebody who could get his whole head over the rim, that it wasn't something he wanted to do, and he is that, right? He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it. But we shouldn't mistake the fact that that's why it's now something that has basically minor league basketball players competing in. And credit to Jalen Brown, a real bona fide all-star for competing in it. Because everybody's scared to look silly. Everybody's scared to mess up. And that's that's one of the things that also bothers me about sports culture, the unwillingness to look like you can fail. It's okay to fail. It's okay. But what's not okay is to not try because that's where character is built. It's not built in succeeding or failing. It's built in the try. And we forget that way too much. That's powerful, Dave. I'm with you. Go ahead. Go ahead, Magic Mike. No, I'm saying that 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 was powerful, man. That was, I, was I like powerful. I like the way you described um, that. I, I it was powerful. It was true as well. However, social media doesn't feel the same way. So we could sit here and say, Jalen Brown, we want to honor him, and we should because if we want good players, we just want to honor the attempt. But if you don't, it doesn't go well. Twitter's blowing up. IG's blowing up. It, it, the the sports social media is built on hate very similar to to most sports on tv and sports talk radio it's built on hate if you look after any game any close game who's trending number one the team that lost the team that won is almost never trending number one 
People need somebody to hate, somebody to clown, to feel better about their own pathetic lives. And I can say they're pathetic lives because if they weren't pathetic, they wouldn't need someone to hate. Mm. There's well, yeah. well said. Yeah. That was well said too. But just to be clear, like that's something I stress with my kids. Like, like it really isn't about winning or losing. It's about trying or not trying. Because that's where character really does get built. But yo, we only have a few minutes left. I want to bring Katia on, see how we're doing, and if we can do one last push for the collision to be able to support WPFW like it needs to do. We want to say, uh-oh, let me see here. Hold on. Let me see. Oh, shucks. Okay. Uh, we want to say thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. And you know what, Robert? I love that. You heard me talk about that Malcolm X box setting. You said, you know, I need that in my life. So thank you, Robert Davis. Thank you so much um, for listening to me. <laughs> thank you, Anonymous out of Columbia, Maryland. We appreciate you as well. Keep the calls coming, folks. We have exceeded the goal, but we should not stop there. The sky is the limit and the collision deserves all the praise, all the money all the pledges, you know, we just want to bestow everything upon them. So the number to call 800-222-9739, WPFWFM.org are the ways to connect with us. You can also use cash app, dollar sign, WPFW. And to your point about competition, you know, my daughter went to the Washington Waldorf School and there is never, we don't ever teach competition. We're always like, you know, the collective and we're feeling good about the game and about each other, but we are getting crushed often, right? In the game. And it really dawned on me, and I will say it served her well, that it's all, it was about the collective. It wasn't about the winning or losing. It was like, how did we play as a unit? Did we support each other? Did we bring our best? And, you know, that's the lesson of life. And, and I'm with you, Dave, this whole notion of like, what matters is just that you succeeded, then you're missing huge swaths of your life. If you're only looking at when you succeed, you're not looking at the journey. You're, you're discounting your worth when you do that. So that's my two cents on sports and politics. <laughs> I think it five trillion percent. I mean, you know, a, a prerequisite of sports is people willing to try, but yo, Chuck, we hit our goal. We hit our goal. Every oh, show. It must've been the Malcolm X, uh, six CD set that Katia was breaking down. And I, that, it's a wonderful thing. And, and what I like is that you were talking about Malcolm X last year, human rights, which is really, uh, he doesn't get enough play in that last year when he sort of has a human rights lens, when he starts the organization of Afro-American that you hear very little uh, about. Um, so that the global Malcolm X doesn't get enough attention. So may I'm sure it's in a number of those speeches on that six CD set. Absolutely. And before we go, I'll recommend the book Redemption Song, Muhammad Ali in the Spirit of the 60s, that talks oh, yes. about him and Malcolm together going to the UN to speak about these kinds of issues. A lot of people don't know that part of Ali's history. But yo, everybody out there, Katia, any last thoughts before we go? No, Dave. You know what I want to say, though, right? You know I want to say it, Dave. Oh, you can say it. <laughs> Just once. Can I Frosty? say that? Frosty? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Katia. All right. Are we ready? Ready. You ready? Okay. We say stay frosty, folks. We are out of here. Peace. There <laughs> you go. There it is. My name is Andrea Thompson, and I'm a producer and diva of the day for Sophie's Parlor Women's Radio Collective. WPFW is important to me because it is a nexus of radio, music, community, and justice. Not merely a radio station, but rather an extended family that is made up of many diverse voices and perspectives. WPFW, building a better world, one broadcast at a time. To build this better world with us, consider making a donation at WPFW.org. Thank you. Collective Voices and the Francis Gregory Neighborhood Library invite you to celebrate Black history through poetry from 3.30 to 5 o'clock p.m. Saturday, February 24th 
at 3660 Alabama Avenue, Southeast Washington, D.C., as they present African Americans and the Arts. Collective voices whose members are Lady Di, Sister Joy, Bernardo, and Billy O'Hara are known for their messages of social consciousness, inspiration, and empowerment. 